All right, we are on lesson number 11 of the winter quarter, and the title of the lesson is A Treasure House of Truth. And this is Psalm 119, which is all about God's Word. So, Lord, we, we thank you for your, your Word, and we thank you specifically for this psalm, which is the longest book in the Bible. And... Uh, we pray for all the wonderful gems which are found in it, telling us how you know wonderful your word is. So we pray that as we study this, that you will encourage us uh, in your word and encourage us to stay in your word, that we might glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first section is, well, I wanted to say about the psalm itself, this psalm is very interesting in that it is what's called an acrostic psalm. And uh, it says, this is from the quarterly, this psalm was methodically constructed. Its 176 verses are divided into 22 sections of equal length. The number of lines per section, which is eight, may have been chosen by the writer to agree with a number of synonyms for scripture that he used. Furthermore, the psalm is an acrostic. The lines of the first section all begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The lines of the second section all begin with the second letter of the Hebrew al alphabet, and so on. So if you look at this in Hebrew, you know, the first section, every line will be, you know, begin with al aleph. The second section, every line will begin with bet. The third section, every line will begin with gimel, and then dalet, and etc. all the way through the Hebrew al alphabet. So the first section is God's word, the way to blessedness, and that's uh, verses 1 through 8. And I'll start off reading that. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do know in righteousness, they walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. And that is eight verses, and that is the section that starts with Aleph. So verse one, how blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, is anybody's way blameless? No. <laughs> you know, G G Jesus walk was blameless but the rest of us you know have blemishes on our on our walk of course you know simple faith in the messiah who died on the cross for our sins who was buried and who rose again the third day um saves us from hell but faith in and this obedience to god's word leads to blessing and heavenly reward beyond justification. So, you know, once we trust in Jesus, we are eternally saved and 
we're going to heaven, we're going to be involved in the rapture, and uh, we have just changed our eternal destiny from the lake of fire to the new heavens and earth, the new Jerusalem. So that's a big deal. But after that, you know, you have a whole lifetime to live after that. And you continue in faith by looking at God's word and believing it, and so acting according to it. So verse 4 says, You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. What does diligent mean? Yeah, we should be serious about it. We don't do it haphazardly or in a lackadaisical manner. When we know what God is asking of us, we should be serious about doing it. And that is also is what James says in James 1 and verse 22. So James 1 verse 22 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You know, we could just read it and then ignore it. A lot of people do do that. They read it, they ignore it. That's not God's intent. But he wants us not to be just hearers of the word who, you know, go to church and hear the pastor speak, but also doers of it. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. You know, the scripture shows us how we are, and and the, the Lord will accept us just as we are. You know, you don't have to do anything to clean up to be saved. You just have to trust in Jesus, you know. You don't have to stop sinning to trust in Jesus. You have to just trust in Jesus. But the Lord loves us too much to leave us in the state he finds us. Yeah, and he will, you know, as we continue to believe in Jesus and we continue to look at his word and we yield to what his word tells us, the Lord will make us more godly over time. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So verse 5 says, Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. So he is committed to following the Lord's way, but we know that, especially under the Mosaic Law, it's impossible to keep. <laughs> and so he's asking the Lord for help to do it. He's, and I think we should do that too. You know, we should ask the Lord for help. Yes, to do what He would like us to do, because some of the things He asks us to do are very challenging for us. So prayer comes in. Uh, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is not. You know, and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and that's where prayer comes in to help us to do what God would like for us to do. Okay, so that's the first section. First section. Any other thoughts about that? So the next section is all the uh, beginning words are bet, the Hebrew letter bet. So does somebody want to read that? That is God's word, the way to purity, verses 9 through 16. 
Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, so verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. So quarterly had a good thing. You know, what are some, this is addressed to a young person, a young man, you know, of course, and young ladies also have the same struggles. So how can you keep your way pure? So what are some of the things that teenagers today can get tripped up by. The quarterly suggested unwanted pregnancy. Pardon? Unwanted pregnancy. Oh, yeah. Drugs. Mm -hmm. And materialism. Oh, so, materialism. Oh. Yeah. And uh, that's a big thing. I noticed that was a big thing at the Christian school. Materialism. So, First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 has something to say. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That will help with unwanted pregnancy. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that is directed to the church. Then Ephesians... 5.18, you know, this is related to drugs. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So the, the Bible does not prohibit alcoholic beverages, but it does prohibit their misuse. And so, you know, there's a limit. Uh, it's, it's a pretty strict limit on alcohol that you can take it and enjoy it without inebriation. That, yeah, you know, drugs, I would say, are, you know, recreational drugs are off-limits biblically because you can take an alcoholic drink without intoxication. But if you take marijuana, if you take cocaine, if you take heroin, if you take methamphetamine, the only reason to take it is intoxication. You cannot take it without intoxication. And so the, the, the sin is intoxication. Right, yeah. You know, and yeah, for, yeah, for pain medication, you know, for legitimate purposes with pain that does not intoxicate you, I say, okay, that's fine. You know, that's legitimate. Uh, but for recreation... No, it's not okay. And uh, because because the goal is intoxication, right? The goal the goal is the sin. The goal is to make me intoxicated because it makes me feel good. So, and then the last one, this is First Corinthians seven twenty nine. You know, and these are all ways that God's word helps the young to avoid disaster, because all these things irretrievably change your future when you get involved in them. You know, especially unwanted pregnancy, that will change things for your whole life. You're creating another eternal being or uh, that is your child. 
And of course, that tempts people to abort that child and kill the child, which is murder. Or raise the child, you know, of course, that makes you a parent before you're ready. So this is 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 29-31, which is, But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they have none, those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. This passage is a remedy to materialism, okay? Um, because the things of this world, everything related to this world, is passing away. And so, the Bible instructs you to be less worried about those things. You know, we all need certain things. We need food, we need clothing, things like that. But not to be, we don't need designer shoes, you know, we don't need, you know, a massive house or, you know. So basically, put your love on the things of the Lord and not on material things. Then verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So what does treasured in your heart mean? Memorizing it? Yeah. Memorizing it, right, internalizing it. So memorizing scripture, I think, is an extremely good practice for Christians because you, you know, the Lord tells us to meditate on his word. Well, meditating, the Hebrew word to, for meditate is to mumble. What do you do when you're memorizing? You mumble it under your breath. You know, you go over it, over it, over it, under your breath. That is meditating. What you're doing as you memorize Scripture is you're meditating on Scripture, and it's amazing what happens and how it, it kind of comes to life when you do that, you know. And so, yeah, that's what we are to be doing. Then verse 16 says, I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Now, you know, if you memorize scripture, you might have to do it again, <laughs> because if you don't rehearse it, it it, go, it does go away. But I think the Lord uses things that you have memorized. He brings it back to you in certain situations. So yeah, verse 16, I shall not forget your word, but you may have to memorize it again, because... I've noticed, especially as I get older, that my memory is not as good as it was. And I can't just sometimes, like, memory verses we had from last year, I I, I can't, sometimes I can't get them back <laughs> unless I look again. All right, so that, now it skips. So we're going to go, the section from 17 to 24 is Gimel. So look at verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. So there we need the illuminating ministry of the Holy Spirit to make God's word understandable to us. 
And that's what we pray for. That's what we pray for. I pray for that before every sermon, you know, and I I don't know about you, but I pray for that when I'm looking at the Bible, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate it. So then the section Daleth, Daleth, which is verse 25, and then go to verse 28. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. So when you are grieving, there's nothing better that you can do than read the Bible. It will strengthen you when you're grieving. You know, like if, if Lucas would do it, this would help him to read God's word. It does. Yeah, so the next section, starting with verse 33, is starts with the Hebrew letter He. And uh, so verses 34 and 35, Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. So we need supernatural help to obey God's word. So he's praying for that there. Okay, so now we are to section uh, Vav, which starts with verse 41. And I'll read that section, verses 41 through 48. So may your loving kindnesses also come to me, O Lord your salvation, according to your word. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your ordinances. <laughs> so I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Okay, so everything in this section starts with the letter Vav, which is like that. <laughs> So verse 41, may your loving kindnesses also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So the psalmist is asking for blessing through God's word. Is that reasonable to do? He's, he's doing it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it, it is reasonable to do. God's blessing does come through his word. You know, he rewards you for uh, submitting to him. So verse 42, so, you know, if you follow his word, so I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. So when you follow the Lord, people do not always celebrate, do they? Because we're salt. You know, Jesus says you're the salt of the world. You know, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. 
said that in the Sermon on the Mount. And what does salt do? Salt will sting, won't it? Salt stings. It, yeah, if you have a cut and you got salt on it, that hurts. You know, it cleans it too. Yeah, it's preservative, uh, but it it stings. And what does light do to a room full of cockroaches? It makes them scatter, right? So light exposes. Light exposes sin. Salt causes things to wounds to hurt, and so that's why the world does not like Christians. Yeah, the world does not like Christians because they expose their sin. They don't go along with it. You know, they don't say, "Oh, that's okay." You know. Yeah, yeah Christians are not one of the boys. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're following the Lord. And so that is, that is what draws opposition to us. And that's what drew opposition to Jesus. Same thing. Right. And so if you were following the Lord's word, you tend to do that. You stick out like a sore thumb. Um, and that will lead to antagonism. Sometimes within your own family, uh, sometimes within your church, even, you know, if people are following some kind of tradition instead of God's word, and you're following God's word, and it goes against the tradition, they won't, people in church might not like it. So, but we're called to follow God's word. So, on the quarterly, there are a lot of good little quotes in the quarterly. Uh, let's see. Yeah, from Psalm 119, it appears that even in God's chosen nation, there was at times opposition to people who lived God's way. Some of this opposition evidently came from the people in high places. But despite the pressures he was under, the psalmist vowed he would not relax his grip on the word. He would always obey God's law. Yeah, so we need help with the Lord helping us to follow him. Then verse 44, So I will keep your law continually forever and ever. So can I? Can you say this? I will keep your law continually forever and ever. See, that reminds me of Peter saying to Jesus, Everyone may abandon you, but I never will abandon you. You know, remember he said that? That sounds like this. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. So how do we do this? Yeah, we can't do it in our own strength. This is something that's impossible for human flesh to do. You, you cannot gr grind it out by willpower. It can't be done. You must have the Holy Spirit. You must have the power of the Holy Spirit. You ask for the Holy Spirit to help you Amen. day by day, moment by moment, to walk with the Lord. That's the only way it can be done. Um, if you try to do it in your flesh, you will be exhausted. And you will just quit. That's yeah, that's how people burn out in ministry. 
They burn out in ministry because they don't rely on the Holy Spirit and trust in him and, you know, ask for his help. And they start to do things in their own. They come up with their own plans that they think should help, and they do it in their own strength. And when you do that, the Lord's not going to help you because he wants to He wants to use you to work, for him to work through you. If you allow that to happen, then you don't get tired out. So verse 44, so I will keep your law continuing. That's what we were just on. Verse 45 says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. So following God's word leads to liberty. It leads to freedom. Yeah, so when you're when you're following the Lord, you're freed. Jesus in John 8.36 says, Those who the Son of Man frees shall be free indeed. And he's talking about freedom from sin. Sin is a terrible taskmaster. You know, sin is very addictive. And if you fall into sin and you don't confess it and and get out, it will enslave you further and further and uh, make you totally useless to the Lord. So following God's word under the power of the Holy Spirit gives you freedom. Then 46 says, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. And there's another thing in the quarterly about that one. Although few of us will have the privilege of sharing Jesus with prominent figures, we all have opportunities to speak for our Lord in our own social settings. We too need courage and wisdom to make us adequate for such occasions. So, you know, and I'm not that great at this, but we always need to bring up Jesus, the things of the Lord, in conversations, just in regular conversations, to draw people to him. Um, and uh, be the witness that we're designed to be. Okay, so the next section is Zayn, which is verse 49. Verse 49. It's a Hebrew letter, Zayn. And the quarterly skips that. So just for 49. Remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. So hope comes through God's word. You know, that's why we think about the rapture because of God's word. That's why we think about the coming kingdom, which is utopia. We think about is because God, God's word tells us about it. Um, that's why we can live in our society here without suicide. <laughs> it's because we have hope from God's word. Yeah. And so we know that it won't be like this forever. Okay. So the next section is het. And that starts with verse 57. I don't know what... Uh, oh, we're, yeah. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. So God himself is his people's possession. So did you know that you... Pos 
Yeah, your God is your possession. He has given himself to you. So, that's cool. <laughs> you know? God has given himself to you. And his word is the rule of life. That God himself is his people's possession and his word is the rule of life. Now you, you need to understand his word and you need to understand the dispensations so you don't mess that up. So for us, our rule of life is found in the epistles or the letters of the New Testament. Um, if we try to live under the Mosaic law, we'll get all messed up because that's not for us. Well, I shouldn't say that. It is for us because it shows us the history. It shows us the faithful, faithfulness of God. It shows us what the nation of Israel was under. But we're not under the same thing. Then starting in verse 65 is Tet. Hebrew letter Tet. And uh, verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. So affliction pu pushes you to God's word, and that was certainly true for me. I was afflicted a long time ago, 30 years ago, and I began reading God's word. And once I started reading it, I began to be interested in it. And it sort of came to life to me. And I do remember thinking, after I just started doing this for not too long, a few weeks maybe, I woke up one morning and I was in an apartment and I thought, is this stuff real? You know? And I looked at the Bible, it was on my bedside stand, I looked at it and said, yeah, this is historical. This is history, historical stuff. Yes, this is real. So, and that was affliction. See, that was why I was hoping for because affliction does drive you to the Lord. You know, I've heard pastors say that the Lord knocks us down so that we look up. Life is rough. You know, going through life is rough for everybody. And things knock you down. And the whole idea is God trying to get your attention so you turn to him. Because we're, we're not prone to do that normally. You know, if everything's going great... We're not prone to do that. Gosh, we're on section D already. Enlightened by God's word, which is verse 105. Yeah, I skipped through those other things because I was running out of time. Okay, does somebody want to read that one? It's verses 105 through 112. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and that was, uh, let's see, that was the Hebrew letter Nun, is that section, which is makes the N sound. Psalm 105 is a famous verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so from the quarterly, we have... Scripture often portrays the world as being enveloped in moral and spiritual darkness. Men and women grope about in the dark, wondering whether there are any ethical guidelines worth following. The Bible is God's gift to humankind, a light that enables people to distinguish truth from falsehood. 
It throws light on life's questions, informs us how sin came into the world, and enlightens us about salvation. So that's a good way to think of it. The Bible is God's gift to humanity. Yeah. So verse 106 says, I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. So that again sounds, is another commitment. It's almost commitment to following the Lord. Verse 110 says, The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. So this will happen to you as you try to follow God's word. Uh, people who don't like it, people who are not following God's word or in the world, will try to trip you up. You know? And they will try to distract you from it, try to get you to not not do it because it convicts them and they don't like being convicted that i have to read this passage from romans chapter one related to this because this is so true yeah this is the last verse of romans chapter one it says although they know the ordinance of god that those who practice such things, and this is a list of sins he recited before, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. You know, the unsaved want company. They want company in doing what they like to do, which is sin. They want company in sin, and if you decide you're going to follow the Lord and you're going to submit to him and you're going to avoid sin, they don't like that because it convicts them. And it makes them, it, it, if they have any conscience left, it stirs up their conscience and makes them feel bad. <laughs> it causes guilt. So verse 112 says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. Uh, so this is similar to what we talked about before. We need the Holy Spirit's help to do this. But we can do it with, with him, submitting to him. And this is where the Bible comes uh, in very strongly. We need to stay in God's word. You know, the Proverbs talk about that if you turn away from the word, you know, that's when you wander off and you... You know, fall back into sinful practices. So the the word is, you know, just like Jesus said, the word is our spiritual food. You know, yeah, yeah. My translation says, "I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart." So yeah, we do have a great inheritance in the Lord. But we want to be committed to God's word, and so that's why what. What we're doing as a church, these two things we're doing where we're reading through the Bible as a church every year, where we have monthly memory verses, this is crucial to cause people to grow spiritually because God's word in your mind is what helps you. That's what the Holy Spirit uses. Okay, so section E... 
Are you love that verse? I do, because I love to sing that song. Okay. Okay. Okay, yes. I I was running out of time because <laughs> this is such a long... So Psalm 114, which is Shirley's favorite verse... Or one of her favorite verses. I'm sure she has others. Yeah, but I love the song that that comes from. Yeah. You are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. And there's an associated song with it. Yes. So we don't want to forget Psalm one or verse 114. So anyway, I'm going to skip all the way. I'm going to skip Samic and Ayan and Kof and Pei. Don't forget Pei. And let's see, Resh and Shin, and go to Ta, which is verse 16, 169. 169, we're at the end. So, verse 169 Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, that it may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Now, what do you notice about this last section? There's something interesting about this last section. Nearly every verse is a request. It is a prayer. Asking for something. You know, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Let my supplication come before you. Let my lips utter prayer, utter praise. Let my tongue sing of your word. Let your hand be ready to help me. Now, 174 is not a request. I long for your salvation. Then let my soul live. And then the last verse, he confesses his sinfulness. Okay. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So he's he's admitting that, you know, he wants to do it. He wants to do it as well as he can, but he fails. And that's us, right? That happens to us. So verse 169, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Now somewhere, and I can't remember where it is, it says that God's word makes us wiser than our enemies. God's word in a young person makes him wiser than his elders. Yeah. So, um, God's word makes us wise. It makes us wiser than those around us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I want to read that to the people online. Verse 130, the under, unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So, if you want to be smart... Read God's word. Right. It makes you wise. Now, Program it in your brain. that's right. 
Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, it gives you knowledge and wisdom, of course, is when you act on that knowledge. The Bible will give you knowledge uh, to make you wise, but the wisdom comes when you act on it. Then Psalm 1 or verse 170, let my supplication come before you, deliver me according to your word. So he's asking for deliverance. You know, we all get into trouble and need help. And the psalmist is asking for deliverance. Psalm, or verse 172, let my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. So the, he, a call to allow worship. Worship should be a reg, regular thing with us. You know, that's part of what we exist for, is to worship the Lord. Then verse 173, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. Um, when you're following the Lord, it is, you have, he gives you the right to ask him for help. No. And he, listen, and he will help you. Then Psalm 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. We need to remember this, that, you know, we're, we're saved. We're on the way, on the fast track to glory we're waiting for a resurrection body. We have the ability not to sin, but we still do sin. And we have to remember that. And we have to remember to ask for restoration when we do. So, and for us, that's First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that is how we restore when we mess it up. Sometimes we mess it up. So this is a great psalm, and it's very encouraging. So Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a great gift to us, and we pray that you'd help us to use it wisely, help us to be in it frequently, and help us to hide it in our heart. And we pray that you'd give us the courage and the will to act on your commands. In Jesus' name, amen.